Welcome to After All, the cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm your host, Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCon. And this week, we are on episode 21, The Boss Isn't Coming to Dinner. Uh, this week, Mary discovers the real reason Mr. Grant has been turning down her dinner invitations. He and his wife have separated. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. The dreaded capital S or capital D word, as the case may be. This week's episode was directed by Jay Sandrich, who's done a large Mm, swath of the episodes, and written by David Davis and Lorenzo Music, who we've We've, seen before. We've seen before. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't... uh, You weren't prepared for this. I wasn't prepared for this. The sexism, the misogyny is so blatant and so in your face. And as I'm sitting there watching this going, yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, it's so common. Well, it's it's interesting because the entire episode starts with uh, Lou's daughter, Lou's youngest daughter's wedding. So their daughter has gotten married, has moved out, and it's like, oh, great, we've never had the chance to be alone together. Now they're empty nesters, and he's looking forward to the empty nest uh, reunion of people who've spent their lives being parents. Yes. And and that honestly did, that made me think of you and dad, to an extent. Because you didn't move out of your home until, Until you I got, got married. married. I went from my parents' home to my husband's home. That sounds so quaint. I should be yeah. wearing petticoats. <laughs> but you did spend time. You didn't have kids right away. No. You you didn't have us until... How many... You were married for, what, four years before you had Derek? Six. Six years. And that was mostly my choice. Yeah. I think your father might have been okay with having children earlier. Mm-hmm. I felt... We got married when I when we got married. I was almost twenty three, so very young, mm-hmm. normal for that time. That was in the late seventies, but I felt like I hadn't lived, and I didn't want to get tied down with children quite so early. I had um, just started my first big girl job, <laughs> my first <laughs> full time job. So I felt very independent and very grown up and mm-hmm. I was making money and it was great and I loved my job. And uh, I thought, no, if, I, if we start having children this early, it's going to kind of uh, put a damper on being young and able to do things. Right. But you did, I don't know, it's, in this situation with Lou, the way that he talks about it was that they got married and then it was like, oh, okay, so you had time together before you had kids. No, no. not at all. They moved in. They, they've never really had the chance to be alone. That's right. They lived with her parents. And then they moved out when she got pregnant. 
and had their first child and then they had the second child and then they had the third child. So they were either living with in-laws or children for their entire marriage. As they jokingly said, how did the third one get born? Because they always had some kid in wet pajamas sleeping in bed between them. And yeah, I can totally, I get that. (laughs) But what's interesting about this episode is that from that... You know, Lou is getting ready to go home after their daughter has flown the coop and she's gone off and now she's somebody else's problem, which in and of itself is kind of like... That's a whole other episode, I think. Mm, Yeah. So he's getting ready to come home with his log, (laughs) which, hello innuendo. He's got, you know... I'm surprised that they kind of... Leaned on that so hard? Yeah. They they made that whole shtick and it's, you know, pretty obvious. Yeah. Oh, it's very obvious. But... He, do, he The next week, everything's, you know, he's temperamental and he never got to light his log. And it turns out that he's left, he's, he's not staying at home because his wife, instead of being all ready and willing to... Have sex with him. Yeah. Decided to go back to school. Shock of shocks. Well, apparently... Yeah. It's this stunning, shocking thing that now that the kids are gone and she has the opportunity to kind of define herself as something other than a wife and mother, Lou's not happy about that. And it's kind of shocking. It's shock. One of the things that I find shocking about that and and the surprise of it for him Mm -hmm. is the surprise of it for him. Do these people not talk to each other? Have they spent the last, whatever, 25 years not speaking about what they want to do with their lives Mm -hmm. and how they are? So he made huge assumptions about her being happy being a housewife, and now with the kids gone, she will continue being a happy housewife for him. Well, exactly. The implications alone are so far-reaching. Yes. But but while that shocked you, that didn't really shock you. Not at all. No. It kind of fit with what the expectation was of the day. Exactly. Whereas for me, I'm sitting there literally slack-jawed. Yes. And just kind of like... What? So what? she wants to go back what? to university and he's shocked about this. And, and you're upset. shocked And you're shocked that, he, that he's shocked. And it's like, what world does he live in that he can be shocked about his housewife wife wanting to go to university? Yeah. And I think, honestly, it's not... I don't think I'm as surprised. Like, I'm not naive. I know that at that time, that was the way things were. That, you know... The, Women had a certain way of being. I don't even remember. What year did uh, The Feminine Mystique come out? I think 1963. It was 63. Okay, so, so The Feminine Mystique earlier. existed. Yeah. So this discussion of women being restless and wanting to exist beyond social conventions, that was a dialogue that had already started. It just wasn't necessarily... It wasn't mainstream. No. And no. So like, To some degree. It, so, yeah. so I'm aware that... At that time, there were certain social constructs that meant that women were expected to nurture and caregive and housekeep and roast make and all of those things. <laughs> and roast make. And roast make or loaf meat, you know, what, what have you. Yoda? Your <laughs> voice is strong with this one. But I, I think it just shocked me so much to hear Lou saying that and to see it on television did you expect Lou to be 
more enlightened than this because in some ways he is. Kind of. I think there's a double standard about it's okay for him to be open-minded and supportive of Mary being a working woman, but it stops at the door to his home. Exactly. Yeah. My little wife is going to continue being a little wife to me because that's the way it is. Yeah. You're young, and I guess the the difference in age, he mentioned that his wife is 43, which to me seems incredibly young yeah. to have your last child move out of the house. But again, they probably got married when she was 20. And to be fair, their kids are probably 19, 20. That's right. Yeah. Like the, the youngest was probably about, I would be shocked if she was 25. Well, my sister got married in 1970. Mm-hmm. And, and she, she was 20, 19? And she was 20. Yeah. Uh, she was just, bef- yeah, she was 19 going on 20 in the next month or so. So, yeah, and that was considered normal in those days. So, yeah. But Mary is 30 mm-hmm. and Mary is single. Yeah. And so he's very supportive of her career, of well, her even, as a career woman. Well, even in one of, in the, in the previous episode, uh, we closed in Minneapolis where Murray moonlights as a, as, as a playwright. Right. And he asks, Lou asks her, well, what are your other ambitions? And she says, wife and mother. And he rolls his eyes. Exactly. He's clearly with it enough to yes, think you're capable of more. Come on. But if he expects that of someone like Mary, if he, if he has high standards of a woman like Mary, who to an extent he thinks of and behaves with as if she as were a, a, daughter, a daughter, why is it that he is incapable of showing the same amount of respect for his wife? Arguably someone he should have the most respect for. Because he takes her for granted, because he's known her for 25 years, and because... That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's a double standard. The other thing that that um, I couldn't help but notice is that he said jokingly uh, that she wants to go back to school. She doesn't. She's unhappy being a housewife, mm-hmm. and she wants to go back to school to do a master's and a PhD in home economics. Yeah, which means she already has an undergrad degree. Yeah. So the idea that she is an educated woman who then. Well, uh, most most women got wanted, married and, and stopped and didn't go into a profession. Exactly. Despite her education. But that was that if, was normal. If they've been married for however many years, let's say twenty five years. Let's say they've been married for twenty five years. You said she's forty two. She's forty three. Forty three. Okay, so maybe twenty four years. I'm just thinking yeah. they got married at twenty. If yeah. If they got married at about that time, then that would be if it was twenty five years before nineteen seventy puts us at what fifty five. Which would wait? Does that math make sense? Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. I'm, yeah, I, I write. I don't do. I don't do numbers. Um, but that's what calculators are for. Well, yeah. But so then that means you know, 1955. That's what women did. They yes. went to all women yes. went to university. Yes. But it was a means to an end. And not all women went to university. Many didn't. Well, yes, fair. But the women that did go to university, right. like it's it's not shocking that she would already have an undergrad. Right. That that. That makes sense to me. The other thing is when you think about the really huge changes in women's consciousness from 1955 to 1970, mm-hmm. I can see how he would hold Mary to a different standard than he would his own wife. He's known her for 25 years, mm-hmm. and, and that, that was the 
the the mindset then was you're going to be a housewife now 25 years later you want to do something different yeah and you're rattling my world and i'm not i'm not comfortable with it Mm -hmm. that's that's what i think lou is right is putting forward but what gets really shocking is after the fact like one mary seems to be kept pretty much out of the loop as to what's going on we find out that everybody else in the office knows and mary doesn't everybody else in the office being men well exactly yeah and she finds out inadvertently oh no we've all known and then after that, you know, Lou finally caves and is like, well, there's a, re- well, he, first he says to her that there's a reason why he's never, like he hasn't told her because, or why, why he would confide in her because he knows that she won't give, you won't say anything. You won't give me advice. Which is really his passive aggressive way of saying, shut up and don't say a word. I don't want to hear it. That's right. And then he invite he caves and he invites her out for a drink. He says, "Why don't we go and we can talk and you can give me advice and I maybe it's something that I need. We'll go for a drink." And she's, "Yes, absolutely." And then he turns around and invites the rest of the boys. And then they're out for drinks with the boys. And this scene just about made my hair curl, mm-hmm. which is saying something because it's already very curly. So they go out for drinks and well, I'll let you guys listen. Well, <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure is good to be out drinking with the boys. Yeah, it's healthy to get away from my wives once in a while. Don't no, drink to that. Amen. Say, Gordy, um, what did the twins do last night? Oh, it was too much. They were falling all over themselves. Gordy, <laughs> I didn't know you had twins. Oh, Mary. He's talking about the Minnesota Twins. You know, baseball, round white ball. Yes, I know, Mr. Grant. I just, I just thought that... No, 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 don't apologize. You're just being a typical woman. You give a woman a big, thick newspaper, she always picks out the sports page to put under the dog food dish. <laughs> Our lady does the same kind of thing. As soon as she hears a kickoff on television... That's when she turns on a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> My old lady used to do the same thing. That's why I moved out. What are you talking about? You've never been married. Well, it's just as hard living with a mother as it is with a wife. <laughs> oh, a real old lady. <laughs> Imagine my wife wanting to improve herself by going back to school. And at her age, she doesn't want to be a housewife anymore. So what's she taking in college? Home economics. <laughs> She's going for a master's, then a PhD. Mr. Grant, that's terrific. What's the matter with that? Well, for one thing, I don't want us to be introduced as Mr. and Dr. Grant. <laughs> Women, they don't know what they want. Are you sure you know what you want, Mr. Grant? I know exactly what I want. It's a second round. Thanks, Mur. Oh, it's uh, my pleasure, Ted. Why don't you try it sometime? See what it's like. <laughs> I'd like to propose a toast. To men's live. Let's hang on to what little we got. I'll drink to that. Hold it. I uh, can't drink that. Mr. Grant, you invited me so that you could hear a woman's point of view. And I've appreciated it. <laughs> I haven't said anything. I have been sitting here like some kind of idiot acting like I agree with everything you've said. We respect you for that, Mayor. <laughs> That's right. You're some kind of woman. But I don't agree with everything you've said. Uh-uh. As a matter of fact, I don't agree with anything you've said. Oh, that's because you're a woman and you're on their side. Sides? 
Oh, Mr. Grant, that is just dumb. And that was an unfortunate choice of words. I mean, you're sitting here, and your wife is sitting at home, and you're both miserable. You're not winning anything, Mr. Grant. You're both losing. What are you getting so excited about? Well, he asked me. No, I didn't. Yes, you did earlier, back at the office. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm sorry if I put a damper on things, but we'd rather have me be honest, wouldn't you? No, I don't think so. Listen, I, I've got a date. I really have to be going. Uh, please, don't anybody get up. Now, how are you going to get out? You're right. Everybody get up, please. Thank you very much, and I'll see you all at the office tomorrow. Can I have your drink, Mayor? Uh, yeah, I'm sure, Ted. Good night. Good night. Stick to your guns, Lou. Once you let a woman push you around, you're sunk. What time you got, Gordy? Quarter to eight. Oh, I gotta get going. I told Maria I had a news conference until 7.30. Now I have to think of some new kind of excuse. Wait a minute. I'll walk out with you. I want to say goodnight, my kid. See you tomorrow. Take it easy, folks. See you in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, that whole scene... Is awful. Is completely awful. It's completely awful. And in a, shocking. In a way... And yet it shouldn't be shocking if you put it in the context of 40 years ago where men really did think that way. And it's, and it's, it is kind of a bit of a, of a, again, I don't even want to say a double standard, but it's, it's, it's a bit of a dichotomy between I'm not going to let a woman tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, it's 730. I better get home for dinner. So they feel constrained and, um, uh, held by the constructs of the domestic life and yet at the same time they're resentful of it as men mm-hmm. but the idea the whole idea of of women don't know what they want and they're never happy and why on earth would my wife want to go back to school what's wrong with being a housewife yeah. so it's it's that lack of of understanding of where women's consciousness is at the time mm-hmm. that they would be so blind to it it's taken it's it taken even, a long time it's amazing because it even makes me think of it, it it makes me think of that scene in the first season of mad men when they're doing uh they have all the ladies in the office all the secretaries coming to do kind of a focus group on lipsticks oh yeah and peggy is just sitting there kind of watching everybody and she's not trying you know she's not trying anything and they come and they're talking to her afterwards and i can't remember character's name i want to say frank or something like that the guy who eventually winds up drunkenly pissing himself and getting fired oh yes um but he kind of says you know why didn't you try anything and she's like oh well i don't i I don't like to think of myself as just one of many colors my lipstick color was gone therefore i wasn't trying anything else and no woman wants to think of herself as just you know a, a band of colors and then gives him the basket with all the lipsticks on it and says here's your basket of kisses and that's when the light bulb goes off that that's actually really clever who told you to say that and later when he's talking about it with everybody else he says it was like watching a dog do math or it was like watching a dog do long division or something like that which is and it's just that mentality at the time that women are stupid yes women could not survive without a man and women cannot do anything but try on be lipstick. a wife and be a mother yeah. and try on lipstick and that that's just their function. So I think given that that was 1960, 
and, and this is and 10 this years is 1970. Later. Like I'm not and also I think to an extent something like that felt a lot more palatable like it was shocking to see it but it's a modern show that's reflecting on a bygone era. There's something that feels slightly more shocking about watching a product of the era itself being honest and earnest about its at at the it, in hindsight about its issues and its problematic right. discourse mm-hmm. that now that 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 I have the good fortune of hindsight and being able to look at but at yes. the time it was totally normal yes but to see them saying you know like yes how like a woman to take to take the newspaper take out the sports section and put it under the dog's dish right and you know they're saying oh the twins were falling all over themselves and mary's like oh i didn't know you had twins he's talking about the baseball team you know a little white ball and da 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 da. it's like well i why would i know that as a thing like that's not and this misconception that women don't like sports mary may not like sports but there's a lot of women who do and for the longest time sports was like you know women weren't allowed to like it they weren't you know there were all these things even at the time i'm assuming that it was still kind of restrictive as to you know, women don't, girls don't play baseball. A lot of things are, yeah, it, with respect to, to sports, it took a long time for women's sports to become even remotely mainstream. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, that was a thing. In 1970, you would not have seen a women's uh, hockey team, for example, ever make it to like the Olympics. Like, yeah. That just was, it just didn't happen. Well, women's leagues didn't exist at the time. Uh, if they did, they not were very not definitely not professionally. They they would have been very very um, fringe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that kind of mentality of men speaking in a derogatory manner about women and their abilities to do things or the things that annoy them that to me sounded very commonplace. Yeah. It's cringeworthy still. But it's commonplace in the context of 1970. Well, exactly. And the idea of why does she want to better herself? What for? Yeah. What What betterment could she possibly do? She's already a mother. She's a. She's, she's already been a mother. Fulfilled her her duties. Yeah. She's, she's been a, a mother, mother, and she's still a, and she's still a wife. That's what more right. What more could she want? She yeah. has a house, and and what's the point of her going to school to study home ec? She's already a wife and mother. And she already who can, needs to? She she's, can cook. It, well, exactly. Who needs to study that? There's um, there's a book that I know Carrie has quoted a few times. I've never read, but it's from the era, maybe from the 70s. Mm-hmm. No, maybe a little bit later, maybe from the mid-80s, called Flip 40. Okay. And it's written by a woman named Gail Sheehy, who I believe is, uh, I don't know if she's a psychologist or what she is, but she's written many books. And it has to do with the idea that when the husband gets older and retires or when the emptiness syndrome happens, mm-hmm. the wife blossoms though the everything gets turned on its head yeah. and the wife kind of says i'm i'm now free to do what i want for a change and so the it, it kind of puts it, it flips things on its head the idea that being a wife and mother is the most fulfilling thing that a woman could uh, aspire to yeah. and that maybe there's more to it after the age of 40 mm-hmm. which of course in today's world seems young because you're only just starting at 40 um, yeah, everything is very young. Everything happened earlier oh, yeah. then. But the idea that after you've done your wifely and motherly duties, it's your turn now. And men were not happy with this. Men felt like the rug was being pulled from under their feet. Yeah. So there's a whole sociological thing about that, that 
we can talk and, about or read about. And when did you say this book was? I don't remember. I have to look it up. But it's because um, that even forty. Like you, the, I guess this. The implication is that this book came out probably around this time. Like it wasn't. This isn't a book that was released in the nineties or the two thousands. This was a no. book that was likely released in the seventies, or sixties, or I hope not the eighties. But it seems like even just that notion that once you've gotten married and once you've had kids and after the kids leave the nest, that is the time for a woman's life to really start. That even even from the, the you know, from the hand of a woman feels like a perverse mentality that it's, it's only after so. you've serviced literally everyone else in your life are you allowed to have a life of your own. Which feels like it's so much of what Betty Friedan was talking about with exactly. regards to the very problem of the social construct of what womanhood is and motherhood and all of that. That it has that it had to be kind of this self-sacrifice for the sake of the rest of your family as opposed to a life that you lead with others so that all are fulfilled. Like, I mean, I'm 30. I'm the same age as Mary was when the show started. Mary Richards, not Mary Tyler Moore. She was a little bit older. But, and I, Bob and I aren't married. We've been together almost five years, but we're not married. And we don't have kids and we're not looking to have children anytime soon. But by for all intents and purposes, if this were 1970... You would be married and you would have had... Your I would likely have by now, or I would likely have at least have had my first child by oh, now. Oh, at least by 1970, yeah, I would be. I would have been married for four of those five years. I would have probably at least squeezed out one child, if not two. De- definitely, yeah, yeah. I've I found, and I I don't know if this is the book. That, the, I don't know that the book is called Flip Forty, or there is a or there's a chapter in it. Mm-hmm. The book that she is best known for, Gail Sheehy is Passages, and the tagline is, sorry, Predictable Crises of Adult Life. It was written in 1976. Okay. So, very interesting. And then there's, a, um, I guess, a sequel to it called Pathfinders, Overcoming the Crises of Adult Life, written in 1983. So, I suspect, but I'm not really sure, that there's a, there is a, that there is a, uh, a chapter about that what we're talking about, about women reaching a certain age where they feel they now want to go out there in the world and become a part of the real world as opposed to the housewifely and motherly world. It just seems so, even just the idea that you would have to have a self-help book on how to be an adult after the kids have gone. Right, like again, I know I'm. I'm not. Na- I'm. You're not naive enough I'm to know naive. that. Yeah, to recognize that. I recognize that that was the way things were. Mm-hmm. But there's something about hearing it that feels infinitely more shocking. It's actually we we received a really lovely email uh, from from one of you wonderful listeners who are likely listening right now from uh, Susan Mello from Rochester, New Hampshire. She sent us a really wonderful email just talking about how much she loves the show. It was really beautiful. Thank you very much, Suzanne Mello. (laughs) That was, yeah, no, it was was a lovely, lovely email. Um, But one of the things that she's said that she enjoys is how my mom will talk about, you know, her experiences from life back in the day and how I'm often surprised 
to learn about a topic or experience that now seems antiquated. Right. And that's, now I'm very aware of it. Like, I mean, it's, I've, I've been aware of the fact that, yeah, I look at these things and I'm kind of with my contemporary point of view and my youth incapable of really seeing the situation for what it would have been at the time. And I think this is a perfect example of that. I think I agree with you. I think this episode really highlights that in a, in a very clear way. I think the other thing is, Somehow, I mean, this is 40 years or 40 plus years mm-hmm. later. That's a long time. And, and things have evolved slowly, painfully sometimes over those decades. Mm-hmm. Whereas we tend to think of it as there was then and there is now. Yeah. As, as two disparate and separate snapshots of time. Yes. As opposed to a continuum where things have evolved with the blood, sweat, and tears of many women and some men who have been very forward-thinking and really pushed the boundaries so that you can be shocked now at how things work. Exactly. So thank you to those people for allowing you the freedom now to say, oh my God, I can't believe things were that way. Mm -hmm. So things have become better, more enlightened. Women have choices that uh, they've created for themselves Much to the chagrin of others. But I think... Over time. Over time. And I think at this point, even people who are... Like, look at Kerry, for example. He's old school and Mm -hmm. of an older age. And yet, it would never occur to him to think of being a housewife as being the default only option for a woman. Mm -hmm. Like, he's, he's very much a supporter and proponent of women in the workforce women out in the world women are going to change the world for the better but because at, men suck but at, <laughs> well, but at the same time i mean when he's still he, a product of his generation he's still a product of his generation Absolutely. and so was his first wife and yes. their children like he was born in 1944 mm-hmm. and when he and mary got married she she was the housewife. She didn't right. have a career, and at that time, but that was the, that was the era of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Well, exactly. Yeah, but he wouldn't have thought. Well, why don't you want a career? Like he wouldn't have. It wouldn't have occurred to him that that would have been an answer, an, an option. That came. That view. I think view of things came came later. Came later. Came yes. post divorce. Came. You know the right. feminist liberation of his two daughters as as grown empowered as women. grown women and you and me for sure. For sure. Seeing I that. Think, but I think that's that's an evolution that I don't, and this is me coming in much, much later mm-hmm. in his life, I don't know that he ever um, had any issues or might have had issues if Mary had said, I want to go back to school, I want to do this, I want to do that. I think, I think by default they settled into traditional roles based on um, his professional life, her lack of professional life, so it seemed comfortable. And no more than with Lou and his wife, Edie, the kids came fast and furious. Yeah, and it seemed like it was just... What are you going to do? You're going to pay somebody to look after your kids while you earn less than minimum wage? No, that's not going to happen. It's just not practical. Yeah, so So, as a product of its time. Yeah, but Uh, yeah, I think think the idea that, that... the evolution of women 
is a continuum mm -hmm. as opposed to two separate snapshots along the way gives a clearer picture of yeah. how things are. And it's a continuum that's still continuing. And when you look at yeah, the rights... It's still evolving. Because like you and I, as white cisgendered women in society have had more rights than other women and we've True. we've we've achieved more pro like we still have a lot of things that we're fighting for mm -hmm. and i mean currently in the united states you still have a lot of issues of women trying to fight for the right to their own body all over again and roe versus wade being called into question and unbelievable which is insane it is. but that doesn't even factor in the struggles of women of color black women hispanic women uh muslim women hindu women like you you name it women of all walks of life right who have never stopped fighting because no. they haven't been given the same rights. No. So it is this, I guess that is kind of one of the really interesting things to take away, you know, because we look at 1960 and we look at 1970 and it seems like it was so far away and somehow we skip over like 1980 because we think it was a more developed time and we, we skip think, over 1990 yeah. because we think it was a more developed time, but it wasn't. And there are still... There were still a lot of, like, look at the teen movies from the 90s, from the 80s, for Christ's sakes. It's evident, it's evidential enough that that wasn't, that that, that progress hadn't really happened that much no. even. It like, happens, it had happened. It happens incrementally. It doesn't happen, it, it happens in fits and starts. Yeah. And it happens when people push the boundaries as things are happening right now with the Me Too movement and yeah. all of that. That's a watershed moment that... It, it, I'm so think... happy I'm alive for it. I'm so happy I'm of an age where I can participate in it. And you can really immerse yourself in it in a way that you couldn't have if this had happened 15 years ago. No. You no. wouldn't have been ready. No, you I would have, have, have been 15 years old. Exactly. The hell did I know? You knew nothing. I mean, hell, I'm 30 years old. What the hell do I know? <laughs> I, I know nothing. I'm 62. What the hell do I know? <laughs> None of us I'm know I'm supposed to be a grown-up, but well, hey. When you know better, do better. And we're starting to know a little bit better progressively every day, which means that we have to do better progressively every day. So let's do better. But that was The Boss Isn't Coming to Dinner hell of an episode i'm really actually i'm kind of pleased that the season is slowly winding down with at least that one felt like a doozy yeah like that one felt like it really yeah. brought up a lot of interesting ideas and some difficult constructs and concepts i have a feeling and i and i don't know this because i don't remember but as as the seasons progress we'll see more of this yes well, because I'm just waiting it's, for... it's a mirror of what was happening in society. Oh, completely. I'm just waiting for the episode where I don't even know the context, but I know someone turns to tell an older gentleman or an older woman who's staying with Mary, don't forget to take your pill. And Mary turns and says, I won't. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just waiting for more of that. I don't even know what season. I don't know what episode, but I know that that's a thing that happens and I'm so excited for it. So that was, yes, the boss isn't coming to dinner. And next week, we will be on episode 22, which means we only have three episodes left in the season. Can't quite believe it. Uh, but next week, a friend indeed, a forgotten pal from summer camp, turns up as WJM's new receptionist and wants to be Mary's best friend again. That sounds like it could be... Interesting. I, I, I can see Mary cringing at oh, that. Oh, yeah. I she see, cringes well. Yeah. I see an awkward situation not easily taken. So that one's directed by Jay Sandrich and written by Susan Silver, 
who, if I'm not mistaken, Su- Susan Silver actually reached out to us on Twitter after we created our oh, Twitter cool. account That's awesome. uh, to see if we wanted to get her on the show. So maybe if, if Susan is listening and maybe we'll reach out to her, we'll get some, uh, maybe we'll see about having a chit chat with her for in between seasons because season one is coming to an end and we'll be back in September with season two. But for the time being, feel free to send us an email at afterallpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's afterallpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you like the show, how you've enjoyed season one, what you're hoping to see in season two, uh, topics we haven't discussed, things you'd like to see us touch on, anything really. Feel free to reach out. We always love hearing from you. And you can find us on all uh, major social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at afterallpodcast. And as per usual, you can find us on all major podcasting networks, but most importantly, you can find us on iTunes. So be sure to head on over to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Every little bit makes us a little bit more visible for other people to find the show. And that's, I guess that is it. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. And we'll see you next week.